Well, I think it'd be great to have open um, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And if you've got more than one finger, which I think most of us have, which is wonderful, um, then uh, have your finger, another finger in Ephesians chapter 6 as well. So we're going to focus, first of all, actually on Ephesians 6 and then get into Deuteronomy 6. I'll explain why in a minute. Um, and if you're watching at home, I know a lot of you will be. We're going to try to get this video up and running again, I think, um, uh, sometime today if we can. And so, uh, hello if you're watching at home. I'd encourage you to bring the family in together, the kids in together for, for today. That would be good. All right. And then we're gonna, we're, we'll do a Q&A at the end too. And there's a bulletin. Uh, sorry, in your, there's an outline in your bulletin. So you, it'd be good to have that open in front of you. I've left some gaps, especially in the second half of point one. And so you might want to write a few things down there as we um, work our way through these two uh, passages of Scripture and think about, well, we're going to think about families today. Now, if you will, I'm going to pray for us first and then we'll get going. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. We thank you that we can come together. Uh, It's a privilege to be able to do this. Many churches are not able to do it again today. Uh, We thank you for this, um, uh, the joy of being together. We've got some restrictions, but um, Lord, we we do pray too for those other churches that are are nearby, particularly down um, in Shell Harbour and Wollongong. We pray, Lord, that you would be um, uh, guiding them today. We pray that all their tech works as they've got to do the the streaming and and, and so forth. And we pray, Lord, for us that as we hear your words, we'd put them in the practice in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, look, if if you're a rugby league fan, it's okay if you're not. If you're a rugby league fan, you might have heard of a guy called Tommy Redonicus. Now, Tommy Redonicus, he actually just passed away this year. It's a bit sad. Um, long sort of battle with cancer. He, uh, he's renowned for a lot of things. Um, probably one, he, he, he played for, I think he played for Australia, New South Wales. He certainly coached Australia and coached New South Wales. He coached some State of Origin Series wins. He played 200-plus games in first grade in the NRL for Wests. Uh, before they turn into West Tigers. Uh, but he's probably most famous for his pre-game rev-ups, the pre-game pep talks. Uh, arguably, um, the most iconic footage of this was in 1979. So I was only a, only a wee little boy back then. Uh, but this footage shows Tommy Rodonicus with his West teammates revving them up before a game. And what he did to rev them up and, this, and included in this pep talk and so on, he, you had to face a teammate and you would stand like this and you would slap them really hard. Slap, 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 slap. Um, and then it would, the other person's turn would have, a, would have a go and slap, 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 slap. Anyway, on one particular occasion, this, when this video was, uh, when they were recording this video, this, uh, these two other players, in the foreground is Tommy Rodonicus slapping his teammate and then, and then in the background is these two other teammates. And they start off slapping. And then you can see in the background they start hitting each other. Spang, bang. And so the camera literally falls over and Tommy Rodonicus jumps over and has to pull apart these two players who were fighting each other before a game. Apparently they had a great game together. But anyway, that's, that's another story. When he coached um, State of Origin, so this is probably not that long ago, probably 15 years ago, something like that. Um, when he coached State of Origin... Well, you'll be glad to know they didn't resort to, um, you know, the slapping and all that. But what, what he did do, he, apparently he gave the best rev-up talks, uh, psych-up, pep talks. They were something to behold. 
Now, when we turn to Deuteronomy 6, you know what this is? This is a pep talk. This is a rev-up talk before the Israelites go onto the field, before they go into the promised land. Now, I believe there was no slapping, but uh, the pep talk is pretty amazing. Sadly, though, generations prove that uh, they didn't listen and they didn't remember. And they were to, that's the two things they were meant to do. In fact, Moses stresses in chapter 6, so Deuteronomy 6, 1 to 3, not just remembering, but doing. So doing th- these things regularly. When they get into the promised land, when they take the field, they're to do these things regularly. They're, they're, to, they're, they're to make healthy habits about trust and obedience with God in, in the land. It's a practice makes perfect type message. That's what it is. Obedience was not something that they would just enjoy for a season, like, a, you know, like it was some novelty or, or, or that. Obedience was the norm. It was a, a healthy habit that they would take part in. And as, to do that, they would need to listen to God. They would listen to the God who speaks, who makes himself heard. God was not to be something of their imagination. You don't just make up God, no. Uh, and, and nor does Moses call on Israel to feel something. If you've got your Bibles open to Exodus, uh, sorry, Deuteronomy 6, look at verse 4. It's one of the most famous parts of the, the Old Testament, some famous verses. What, what does Moses say? Hear, hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, listen. To make healthy habits about godliness and obedience as you take the field, what do you do? You listen. You listen to the word of God. Because God is a God who speaks and his, and his people must listen. So friends, today, as we open God's word, let's make sure we hear. Let's make sure we listen and remember by doing. It's not... Obedience to God's not a novelty. We don't jump in and out of it like we're learning the latest craze. No, we're going to form healthy habits. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. All right, well, in my excitement, I forgot to show you the picture. There's, there's Tommy Veronicus. It's a great... So you can look up the video on YouTube if you like. Slapping away, and the fight occurs just over here somewhere, I think, in the video. But he's having a go, and there's that, um, those two verses. All right. Now, a key part of Moses' pep talk, Deuteronomy 6, has to do with families. You might have noticed that as we read it through, as Dennis read. Our families and, and, and relationships between children and their parents, it comes up a few times. And you'll notice, too, from our readings, that these are word, that, that um, uh, the Apostle Paul picks up uh, these words from Deuteronomy 5 and 6. In Ephesians 6. So today, rather than working through verse by verse, we're going to be focusing on families. We're going to be focusing on the relationship between children and their parents. Mostly we'll start off in Ephesians 6, so if you want to turn that over now, Ephesians 6, and then we'll get to Deuteronomy 6 later on. So Ephesians 6, first of all. There is a great deal of sentimentality about families. Uh, whether it's the Brady Bunch or the Simpsons or the Avengers. I notice too, if you're a Fast and Furious fan, I know some of you can't wait for the next movie to come out, um, but uh, <laughs> that, that, that has this great f- focus on families as well. Families feuding. It's because we, well, we, we put families up on a pedestal in our, um, in our culture. 
Now, some have argued that the God of this age is, um, is not materialism or consumerism or careerism or even sport. It's actually family. That's the God of this age. Family is the absolute. We sacrifice everything for family and, and families don't sacrifice for anything else. In modern Australia, we idolise family. Family is everything. But with this sentimentality, there's also a sense of guilt because we know our families fall short. We know our families, well, our families fail. Our families can cause us the greatest pain and yet at the same time be a, be a source of great joy. So how should families work? That's our question for today. Uh, how should families work under God and a phrase that keeps coming up in both our passages today is how should families work in the Lord, in the Lord. The Bible has much to say. So in fact, in three short sentences in Ephesians chapter 6, 1 to 4, uh, calling on Deuteronomy 5 and 6 at the same time, God has something to say both to children and to parents. And friends, before we get stuck in, it's worth reiterating that families, our children, are a gift from God. But being a parent, like being married, does not make you better or worse in God's eyes. Our humanness is not defined by being a father or being a mother or being a grandfather and grandmother. So what does God have to say, first of all, to children? Now, a lot of our families are away today, so kids, if you're watching at home, this bit's mostly for you, but it's also for parents as well. So turn and have a look at Ephesians 6 verses 1 to 3. And you note that Paul quotes Deuteronomy 5 verse 16. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Here's the first thing we notice. That is that children are not just mentioned, which would be something that would go against the grain in Roman society, but children are addressed. They're spoken to. You see, children are not, are not only not an intrusion into marriage, but they also are not an intrusion into church. Here we see children are an important part of the Christian community, God's church. So the apostle addresses them specifically. He calls them out. A bit like Moses does as well in Deuteronomy 5. Now generally, the term children refers to relationship rather than age. But here in Ephesians 6, at least in the, in the first part of what we're looking at, in verses 1 and 2, we see that Paul is referring to children who are in the process of learning and growing. Um, sorry, verse 4, we see that. So they're not adults um, and they're not infants, so little babies, but they're old enough to understand their relationship to the Lord and what it means to live in obedience to him. And so Paul addresses those children, okay? He, children then, as responsible members of the church, have a duty, and that duty is to obey your parents. But let's acknowledge that this is hard sometimes, for all sorts of reasons, especially as children grow and they seek independence and freedom to make their own decisions. However, children are addressing kids now, and I'm looking into the camera because a lot of them will be watching later this week or maybe in this afternoon or this evening. Uh, children, if the worst mum and dad are telling you to do is to clean your room, 
uh, do some jobs around the house, maybe even miss a, a party f to get some schoolwork done, well, then I think we just got to get on with obedience. But let's not get it carried away, parents. Parental authority is not absolute. There's no human authority that is absolute. You see, the nature of parental authority has nothing to do with my rights as a parent. It's actually to do with my responsibilities. That's the nature of parental authority. It's about my responsibilities as a parent. Uh, something we'll get to more in a moment too. So we must understand parental authority in terms of responsibility and not rights. And this authority responsibility changes over time. So as children uh, grow and mature into adults, well, they take on more responsibilities, don't they? And the parent then takes on less. So parental responsibility decreases uh, with parental authority, and that decreases with it. And this helps, and as, as the child grows, this helps us understand too when the, when when a child stops being a child too. As their responsibilities increase, our responsibilities decrease. It also helps us with the role of grandparents. Now, I'll talk a little bit about grandparents today, but not too much. Uh, however, I want to recommend too, where is it? There it is, the National Grandparents Conference. Um, you can find more information online, get involved with it. I think it'll be really good. Uh, but time's not really on our side to go into depth for the grandparents' role. I'll, I'll, I'll drop in and out of that. But surely I think an, the example of Timothy, um, Timothy from one, sorry, two Timothy chapter one, Timothy's grandmother Lois is mentioned. Now what did Lois do? Lois taught Timothy, her grandson, the gospel. Lois taught Timothy the scriptures. Uh, he had known them from infancy, he says. He'd known them through his grandmother. So if you're a grandparent and you're wondering where your role is, encourage them in the Lord, encourage them in the Scriptures, um, encourage them, your grandchildren, to follow Jesus. Okay, on your outline there, I've given you, I've given you there's actually four gaps, so you can write them in if you want. There are, I've given you, there are four reasons why children are to obey parents, and again, we're looking um, at Ephesians chapter 6. Four reasons children need to obey their parents. And you'll note too that because I'm the dad or because I'm mum is not one. All right, first reason children are to obey their parents in the Lord. Well, uh, actually, lost track of a few things. There we go. Okay, here we go. There's my four reasons. You can write them down as we go along. First one is in the Lord. So the obedience of children to their parents is actually all part of placing Jesus as Lord in your life. If you're a, if you're a child... Um, then, uh, then it's, it's part of living for Jesus. Uh, we obey our parents in the Lord. Obedience to mum and dad is an important aspect of being a disciple of Jesus. This, Colossians 3 tells us, actually pleases the Lord. Obedience to parents is what Jesus wants of his disciples, those who call him Lord. So if, you, if you're serious about Jesus, you obey your parents. So Christian parents, and I think therefore Christian grandparents too, have a responsibility to ensure that the use of their authority doesn't conflict with the authority of Jesus as Lord of all. That's a way that we can encourage our children to be disciples of Jesus. So for example, if children are instructed by their parents to do something which the Lord tells them not to do, for example, steal and lie, 
sex before marriage, be greedy, then it's the parent who has not been responsible in the Lord and therefore has reneged on his or her authority. Uh, second reason. The second reason given for children to obey their parents is found in the second half of verse 1, Ephesians 6, uh, for this is right. The goodness of society, for the goodness for society, I should say, of obedience to parents is self-evident. Uh, such obedience is fitting and right and it makes society work well. A third reason given for children to obey their parents is that it's part of the law, the Ten Commandments. Obeying your parents makes God's top ten. The ten most important things to remember about living for God and loving each other. And the final reason that children should obey their parents, it comes in verse 3, you see it's a, the promise that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Or as Deuteronomy 5.16 says, in the land the Lord your God has given you. Now this doesn't mean that if you obey your parents you'll live longer. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it, it, might, it might mean that, I don't know, but I don't think so. It might help. It simply means that children today, like in the days of the Old Testament, uh, who obey their parents, are blessed with the promise of a full life wherever they are, whether that's in the promised land or it's in Sonny Robertson. Okay, now what about the parents? Some of the kids are saying at this point, about time we get to the parents. It's been a long time talking about children. Goodness me. So what are the, what are the parents, what responsibilities do we have as parents? Well, turn to Ephesians 6 verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Although parents are to be obeyed in verses 1 to 3, only fathers are mentioned here. Now, why is that? Well, I think there's a fundamental responsibility of fathers in the family. And this seems to me as something integral to the teaching of headship that, we look, that, that is uh, covered in, the, in chapter 5, verses 22, uh, 23, those, that, that area there. But it wouldn't be hard to argue also that fathers need a stronger reminder to live out their responsibilities. Uh, sadly, I, I think we live in an age where many fathers go missing when it comes to their responsibilities at home, whether they're working too much, playing golf too much, loafing around, watching TV too much, or, or finding excuses to miss church again. The fear is that our children and our teenagers have grown up or will grow up with absent fathers and the only role model of fatherhood they have comes from Homer Simpson maybe or some ads on TV or that guy on um, Modern Family um, if you watch those shows. So yes, fathers are addressed specifically for good reason but it doesn't mean that mothers are off the hook. Uh, for a mother to read this and say, phew, I can exasperate my children, yippee, uh, I think you missed the point. In a sense, there are two aspects of this word to parents. And you can see them um, uh, on your outline. First, there's a warning and then uh, a better way. So first, this warning, do not exasperate uh, your children. Or some translations have, do not provoke your children to anger. Again here, the, the focus is on, well, I think the focus is on relationship, not age. Um, very much so, this can be to adult children as well. Uh, parents, do not exasperate your adult children. Uh, parents are to avoid those attitudes, words, actions which would provoke their children to anger, where you as the parent are the cause of their anger. Uh, Colossians 3 verse 21 says, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. 
So, for example, unreasonable demands on a child in regards to their age, ability or maturity, showing favouritism, humiliation and ridicule, swearing at them, suppressing a child's natural emotions, harsh, treat, excuse me, harsh treatment and demands, uh, constant nagging and condemnation, all discourage a child and provoke them to anger. You see, behind all this is the, the clear recognition that children, um, as one writer put it, while they are expected to obey their parents in the Lord, are persons in their own right who are not to be manipulated, exploited or crushed. It's a warning not to abuse parenthood. Uh, and, and I think all of us here, if you're a parent here, you'd know this, and a grandparent, um, you never stop being a parent. You never stop being a parent. So the warning here is don't abuse parenthood. Parental authority is not for the benefit of the parent. All right, well, the apostle does not finish with a negative instruction. Uh, instead, he finishes with a positive instruction, speaking of the responsibility of parenthood. It's a better way. Fathers don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Again, here, Paul takes his readers back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. So let's do that now. If you've got your Bible there, go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'll give you a moment to look it up. So parents are to raise their children so that they fear the Lord their God. Now, fearing the Lord their God, fear, the fear of the Lord is not an unapproachable fear. Uh, it's, it's not like you, there's a lion in the wilderness and you're going to back away from it. That's not the fear of the Lord. Or you see a shark swimming in the ocean. You're not gonna, you, it's not an unapproachable fear. With God, it's a, an approachable fear, an awesome respect of a, of a loving and gracious God, the creator of the universe. That's what the fear of the Lord is. And as the Bible tells us in, in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So... If you want to be wise as a, as a parent, well, if that's, it starts at the fear of the Lord. So like Paul's expression, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, Moses' words in uh, chapter 6, verses 6 to 9, you just have a scan over those for a moment, have a similar sentiment. That is, God's word, or the law, is to be front and centre of their life. That's the training and instruction that they need with life in, in life in the land as they cross into the promised land. So verse 7, uh, parents are to repeat or impress God's word on their children. So the word gets passed on through generations. The word of God should be, just, should be part of family life, like walking along the road, before bed, when you wake up, over dinner, at work, on holidays, when you drive to school, when you meet a friend, when you go out to dinner, uh, it's part of life. Obedience to God's word ought to be part of life. It's, it's, remember, it's our habit and practice makes perfect. In the marriage course, we, um, we hosted, uh, well, we finished it this year, but we started it last year because of COVID. One key line in this marriage course, the great line, it just says that, it just helps the participants to remember, these marriage couple, married couples to remember, little things every day. Little things every day. It's a great line for marriage, but it's also a great line to remember for, for godliness, for healthy habits of obedience to God. Family life 
with God, little things every day. It doesn't have to be a big sermon every morning when you wake up, although sometimes those things are needed. <laughs> little things every day. Just part of family life. And so Deuteronomy 6 verse 8, if you have a scan over that for a minute, reinforces this. So God com- God's commands are to inf- infiltrate down into every aspect of life. Now it's figurative language. They're pictures being put out here. So to fasten the words as symbols on your hands doesn't mean we need to have special bracelets with bits hanging off them with the word of God there. No, no, no. It's to say, let God's ways be be evident in everything you do. See, we're on about doing, aren't we? Doing the word. Obedience is about doing. So to fasten uh, the word of God or these fasten the words as symbols of your hands means that God's words is evident in everything you do, your actions, it's about your hands working. Uh, similar to the phrase, bind them on your foreheads. Again, not about tattooing something on your foreheads. No, no, no. It's whatever you do, God's ways are in view. So I'm looking that way, my forehead is looking that way as well. Uh, it's in view. Obedience in view, God's word, God's law in view. And also so others can see what's on your face. God's word. That's in view for everyone to see. And again, same with verse 9 and the door frames. Have your private and public life shaped by God's ways. Uh, It's public. You can see it. It's on your door frame. People wandering by can see. Now, let me have a go then at modernising verses 6 to 9. I'm sure you probably do this better than me, but I'll give it a crack anyway. So Moses says, get your, storybooks about, get your storybooks about God's ways for your kids. Listen to it on your iPhone. Wear badges reminding you of others and you and others of God's ways. Fly the flag in your front yard and put the law on all your billboards with neon lights. See, these are all over-the-top statements, aren't they? Yes, we probably wouldn't put something on neon lights at the front of our house. They're over-the-top statements, like we read in Deuteronomy 6, designed to encourage God's people to go all out with following God's commands, leaving nothing in life untouched by the Word of God. We don't give God the leftovers. We don't do a bit of obedience and say, oh, I'll give the rest, you know, I'll leave that over. No, no, we give God everything. We give God everything in our lives. Okay, well, ultimately, the concern of parents is not simply that their sons and daughters will be obedient to their authority, but that through this godly training and instruction in the Lord, children will come to know and obey the Lord himself. Here's how another writer put this. I really like this quote. Parents should care more for the loyalty of their children to Christ than for anything besides, more for this than for their health, their intellectual vigour, their brilliant and brilliance, Uh, their material prosperity, their social position, their exemption from great sorrows and great misfortunes. You see what that's saying? It's a strong word to parents. It's why in this great creed-type statement, have a scan over verses 21 and 25 of Deuteronomy 6. Notice what comes first. In fact, you'll notice every time the story of God with his people, every time God tells that story, what comes first Not obedience. No, because that doesn't save. God saves. What comes first is redemption. What comes first is God's saving action. What comes first is the gospel. Because that's what's most important to tell our children. That's what's most important to encourage your grandchildren in. The gospel. 
gospel first. Good morals won't save. Intellectual vigour, school marks, won't save. Excellence in the sport won't save. Only God's saving work will focus on that first. Everything else, everything else is secondary. So, friends, you see, the responsibility to bring up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord, it lies with parents. And grandparents help with that and encourage in that. But it lies with parents. Not the school, not the scripture classes we send our, you know, the kids sign up for, uh, not the Christian school, nothing like that. Not, not even our youth and children's ministry. It lies with the parents. Our youth and children's ministry will, of course, aim to work with you uh, one of the aims is to strengthen families in the Lord and, and let, let me encourage you um, to encourage your children to commit themselves to, to, to RIBS and our kids' programs just as we encourage each other to come to church each week. But the point is Christian parents have special responsibilities and we ought not pass those responsibilities on to others. Um, and and as, as we pull a few things together, folks, let's... Um, Let's remember that God makes things grow. That's really important to remember. So the, the, the obedience here for parents uh, come, is aimed at parents to do all they can and be obedient to God's work. But in the end, it's God who saves. It's God who makes things grow. And that's important to remember when, when children don't respond the way we would like them to respond. And they go, they, set, they make their own decisions and they'll do that. But God makes things grow, God, God saves. And so our job as parents um, and grandparents in that encouragement is to, is to train them up in instruction in the Lord. And God does the rest. We don't save them, God does that. It'll take thinking and praying and wisdom and planning, uh, good communication, talking it over as a family. And remember too, each family is different and no family is perfect. Uh, let me be the first to say that. Being, being a parent can test our patience and love like no other situation. And there's no such thing as a perfect parent. We all make mistakes and our children make mistakes too. Yet despite all our imperfections and sin, the, the potential for good in families, I think, is amazing. How about we pray? And um, in fact, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll pray and then we'll, we'll see if, there's an if anyone would like to make any comment or question. Um, lots probably more to talk about, uh, but you might have a question or a comment. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for uh, the love you've shown us. Um, Lord, we do pray that you would strengthen us in our roles as parents and grandparents, but also in our roles and our duty as children. Um, and we trust in you, Lord. We trust that you would do your work and we pray that you would indeed um, uh, help us to continue to turn to you and to trust in you. We thank you that you are a God full of grace and mercy. We know we make mistakes and we're not perfect and so we, we, we rest in you. We, we, um, we ask for forgiveness and uh, we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.